I'm, my name is Derek Harmon. I'm uh, the director of student ministries here at the church. Um, yeah, woohoo! Um, there's probably no other way for me to start out uh, speaking tonight than how I usually do with some redneck chronicle of my life. Um, and I'll weave it somehow by the end of this deal. I'll, I'll weave this redneck chronicle into my message. But just to give you an idea of... of of a little bit about me and who I am. This will probably give you a little bit of an idea. Everybody that comes usually on Sunday night probably already knows, but um, when I was about 13 or 14, that between middle school and high school area, um, I had this group of friends, my posse, you know, my boys that I hung out with all the time. And it's kind of that awkward stage in life when you're trying to figure stuff out. You know, you're just starting to get interested in girls and you know, things are weird, and your weekends are like, your Friday night is like, what, you know, what are we going to do? Either you're trying to, you know, ask a girl out or get a girl's attention, or you're into mischief, you know, and it was either I'm going to hang out with my, my buddies, or I'm going to, you know, try to go to a movie with a, with a girl that I liked, or whatever, but usually 99.9% of the time, it was the mischief side of the fence that I fell on, but um, my mom, growing up, owned a balloon business. It was called Balloons Unlimited. And if you can possibly imagine a group of guys, 13, 14, and an unlimited supply of helium (laughs) and an unlimited supply of balloons, there was a lot of experimentation that went on between the ages of 13 and 14. Um, I'm sure you could get creative and think about it and what, what went on. We sucked enough helium for you to realize by the end of the talk what's wrong with me. Um... I think we tried to launch pretty much everything with helium and balloons, uh, lawnmowers, chairs with us in them. We jumped off roofs. Um, but somewhere along the way, there was an invention that we thought, this is where it's at. I mean, we've got an unlimited supply of balloons, and then this thing came out, and we're like, no way. They throw that thing up on the screen right there. That is the three-man, they called it the water winger back then, that's the, the wing sling. But, I mean, we saw that and we thought one thing, genius. And from that point on, for the next few months, we, we started testing this thing out in every way possible. We're like, you know, we can shoot this thing, you know, football fields away. Actually, a friend of mine, one of the guys in the posse, his dad was a, was a baseball coach, and he had one of those radar guns, and we're like, we're going to figure out exactly how fast we can shoot a water balloon with the water winger. And our average speed was about 235 miles an hour. I kid you not. So you can imagine how creative you can get shooting a water balloon 235 miles an hour. I mean, you could launch it up in the air and hit people that were moving, and they had no clue where it came from. They had no idea. So we did that for a while. I mean, that, does, that takes a while to get old, but amazingly enough, it did. So... The next thing we did, we said, all right, moving people is difficult, but, you know, what else moves a little faster than people that we can try to hit with a water balloon at 235 miles an hour? Let me think. Yeah, I think somebody just said it. We said, what about cars? I bet we can hit cars with a water balloon, but we're going to have to figure out how we're going to do it because they're going, you know, 45, 55, 65, whatever, you know, whatever it is. But God provided this little spot for us <laughs> that we could shoot these water balloons. It was, like, perfect. You know, I grew up in Tallahassee. God's country, and there was this little spot that he provided for us there on Thomasville Road where we could shoot water balloons, and I mean, it was like hidden, it was perfect, 
And we had a couple of guys that were like Tom Rossi. They had calculated everything perfectly. They're like, if the car's coming 45 miles an hour, 55 miles an hour. At this point right here, if we launch it, we're going to hit it. And we started doing this, and I mean, we had it down to a science. I mean, we got notoriety on Thomas Road. People knew. They had no idea where the balloons were coming from. But they knew that there was a chance, if it was Friday night that they were heading down the road, that they were going to get hit with something. <laughs> that didn't mess up their car, but, man, it scared them to death. <laughs> and we got really, really good at it. But there was this one guy that would not do it. He went out with us every time. He would watch it from a distance. I mean, he would sit way back, and we'd do the deal, and we had it going, and it was a blast. And we tried to convince him. We were, trying, we were like, dude... This is, this is the best thing you can do with your clothes on. There's nothing better than shooting these water balloons. Nothing. And he wouldn't do it. He's like, no, I'm, dude, I'm slow. If y'all hit something, they turn around and they come. I'm gonna be, I am going to be the one in jail. And he wouldn't do it. I mean, I just, just week after week, we were trying, like, dude, you've got to do this. And finally, we convinced my friend Jamie. He's probably going to listen to this and be upset with me. But we convinced him to do it. And we're like, dude, you got to do it. You don't have to do anything. We're going to tell you when to do it. It's all t- the slingshot does the work for you. So all you have to do is step up, grab it, and let go. We're going to tell you when it goes. We've got it all figured out. And sure enough, he does it. And it was like, you know, the first time he did it, it's like everything went into slow-mo. The guy that's, you know, the spotter is looking for the car. It's like, she's coming. And then he's like back here, and Jamie's like in slow-mo holding it. And he lets it go, and it is like slow-mo. It's like, and the balloon's going, the car's coming, and everything is slow-mo. And sure enough, he hits the car. And we're like, yeah! I mean, it was like the biggest cheer eruption with my posse. I mean, we just went crazy. I mean, absolutely ballistic, because he had done it. Now, he did hit a cop car, and it was a big problem. <laughs> and I didn't want, that doesn't really, I hope that doesn't take away from the story. But, in thinking about... The life course and life to the full. Yes. This thing we, we talk about so often, life to the full and the life course. People, it's like people don't ha- even have, I mean, look at Daniel. He didn't have the words to describe it. And that was us with the, with the, the three-man water winger. We couldn't tell him. He had to experience it. We're like, Jamie, you've got to get here and do this thing. And people are coming up and giving their testimony. There's people in our church that have experienced this thing called life to the full and the abundant life. And there's no words to describe it. I mean, we throw that word around, life to the full. And people, you know, if you haven't experienced it, you're like, I want that. It sounds like something I want, but you really don't, there's nothing to capture it really, other than the stories that we hear. And this is what scripture says about life to the full and and, and this full abundant life. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And just so I could redeem myself with my redneck story, I had to put some intellect in here and uh, interpret this Greek word here, abundantly. My wife said, you've got to do this. You're telling this redneck story. You've got to do this. It'll make you sound smart. So I did it. And it actually had some great, great fruit doing this. The Greek word abundantly is perisos or perisos. And one of the definitions is, or the, the string of definitions is, exceeding some number or measure, or rank, or need, or something further, or more, much, much more than all. I thought that was a great definition. And then if you go down and you read in Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, the same version of this word is there, perisos. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.
Now, we think about the abundant life and life to the full, and, you know, what is that? Is it that all of our wants and our needs, is it that, you know, we're going to, all of our financial problems are going to go away, that we're we're never going to get sick, or everything's going to get taken care of? No. This is a different abundant life. God wants to take care of us. He wants to do wonderful things for us. But what he's saying here, this is something completely different. It's something that we can't wrap our brain around, something that we have to experience. If we break this, this verse down a little bit, abundantly, more than we ask or think, more than we ask or think, if it's something that it's more than we can ask or think, I can ask for money, I can ask for healing, there's all these things that I can ask for, and God will provide those from time to time, but it's a mystery in how he provides them through his will. But when we talk about the abundant life and this life to the full, it's different. It's more than something that we can ask for. It's beyond that. It's this thing that we experience, experiencing him. And what I really, the the two things that I want you to get tonight is this idea of the abundant life and how it kind of connects itself to this idea of transformed people. Transform people. You get that? You have transformed people. They transform people. Think about that. And we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to put these two things together. Um, there's a passage in Scripture that kind of pulls this, this there's a story here that, that's great about somebody that had experienced life to the full and how it affected this person, and it's Philip. And for the sake of time, I'm going to just paraphrase this. It's in Acts 8, 26-40, if you have your Bible. But... What's going on here is Philip's just this ordinary dude. This isn't the Apostle Philip. This is just Philip the deacon. Ordinary dude. And an angel of the Lord comes to him. He's just a regular dude. And an angel comes to him and starts talking to him. He says, hey, you need to go down to this place called Gaza, a desert place. So the first thing he does, he goes. God speaks. He's going to go down to the desert place. And as soon as he gets there, uh, there's an Ethiopian eunuch there who'd just been to church, kind of trying to figure things out, trying to figure out what this whole life to the, you know, to the full is all about, what the abundant life's all about. And he's reading the scriptures. He's reading this passage in Isaiah. And the Spirit comes to Philip again. Step two, he says, hey, you need to go over to the chariot where he's sitting, and he's reading the word, and talk to the dude. So Philip says, all right, I'm going to go over there and talk to the dude. So he goes over there, and he says, hey, what are you reading? He says, I'm just confused about this passage in Scripture. I don't know who, you know, what it's talking about. And it was a, a prophecy about Jesus, about who Jesus was. And Philip climbed up in the chariot, and he, it says that he opened his mouth and he began to use that Scripture to reveal the gospel to him, to tell him about Jesus, to say, you know, that he is everything, that he fulfills everything. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And immediately, the guy gets the truth, accepts Jesus, and he's so stoked about it, they're riding along in the chariot, the first puddle or pond they see, he says, get out, I want you to baptize me right here. And they get out, he baptizes them, and the next thing is just crazy. Philip disappears, just vanishes, poof. And he ends up in this place called Azotos, and he starts preaching the word again. I'm talking teleportation, baby. I mean, that is crazy. That is crazy. But you see, there's a guy, Philip. He's experiencing life to the full. Experiencing life to the full. I mean, God has transformed his heart. He knows. He's got the knowledge of the gospel within him. Fully transformed. And what is God using him to do? To transform somebody else. To transform somebody else. we notice in the the story 
God doesn't lay out some specific plan for him. He just says, go. The Spirit comes and he just says, go. He sees the chariot and the Spirit tells him, go join the chariot. And he does it. And it says that he's supposed to run. There's no praying about it. He doesn't have to think about it. Say, well, I'm going to you know, think about it overnight. I'm going to lay out a fleece and see, if, see what God says. No, he says, go. When you hear the Spirit say, go, you go. So he goes for it. And then he hears the guy reading Isaiah and he asks and, and, and he brings this understanding to him. He enlightens him through the gospel. And that's how this thing goes from us experiencing God to transforming people. It doesn't require anything from us. My friend Jamie thought, you know, I, I'm not good enough. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this thing. There's no, there's no, there's no possible way I'm going to be able to run fast enough. If, if somebody turns around to come get us, I'm, I'm totally toast. And it took everything we had. It took people that had experienced the three-man water winger to tell him, dude, it's fine. You're going to be okay. Everything you need is right here in the water winger. And these people that are coming off the life course, and there's people in this church that have experienced life to the full. And you're thinking, I don't know the EEs of evangelism. I don't know the, you know, the, the bridge illustration. I don't know how to do anything. You know, I don't, I don't know anything. And what God's telling you today is experience me. Experience who I am. And that is all that you need. I will equip you. When the time comes and you need me, I will be there. I will give you the word. When you open your mouth, you don't have to worry about what comes next. I will take care of that for you too. I was thinking about this right before I left um, to come here tonight. Is what does God want from us more than anything? I mean, what, is it, what does He really want from us? And what does He want for us? He wants us to experience Him. He wants us to experience the transformational power of the gospel, this knowledge of the gospel that we, it's freely given. And He wants us to experience the power of the Spirit and be in a relationship with Him, just to be in His presence. And, and the most unbelievable thing, what happens as a result of experience the abundant life? And it's something I've seen all weekend long. What happens as a result of experiencing the abundant life? All of a sudden, this group of people that have been transformed begin to take part in transforming people. And, you know, I thought about that. I looked at this statement, transformed people transform people. And I thought, well, that... You know, people may have a theological problem with that. Doesn't God transform people? But then I just immediately thought, God just gave me this in, in the first chapter of Colossians. What does it say? It's, it talks about the mystery. Christ in you. The hope of glory. And it's Christ in you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. And we are all equipped with the same spirit. And God's saying tonight, come, experience me and it will propagate the kingdom. You will, you will get the abundant life. You will get the abundant life. And in turn, you're going to be drawing people in. You're going to say, you've got to try this thing. You have got to try this thing, because it is amazing. I don't even have the words to describe it, but you've got to come up here and try it. You've got to try this thing. And that's what I heard over the weekend. People not being able to describe their experience. Because it's beyond anything that we can ask or imagine. There's nothing that we can grab hold of and say, yeah, 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 that's it. We can see stories, we can hear stories that we see in Scripture of people that experience the abundant life, but it's so far beyond anything that we can imagine. 
when we experience God. And the result is that these transformations that happen transform people. So tonight, God's saying, taste and see that I'm good. Thank you.